0: Hey man, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You got some information, thoughts, or views that you want the world to hear? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? Man, the big question though was how do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. So best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with the great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. One of the benefits that I really loved about doing my podcast with Anchor is the ability to get my podcast on multiple platforms with the click of a button. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm backwards slash start. Go to anchor.fm slash start. One more time for the people in the back. Go to anchor.fm Slash start to join me in a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Till next time. Welcome to the Page Turners, a podcast dedicated to books, man. Books here, books there, books everywhere walking through books, examining books, book reviews, book studies, books, books, books from a black perspective. In season one of The Page Turners, we chose Black Theology and Black Power by the late, great Dr. James H. Cone. So we've been spending some time, man, walking through this book, man, chopping it up having a great time uh, discussing many of the things that uh, are written in this book, Man, which was published in 1969. Black Theology and Black Power provided the first systematic presentation of Black Theology relating the militant struggle for liberation with the gospel message of salvation Dr. James H. Cone laid out the foundation for an original interpretation of Christianity that retains its urgency and challenge today. In 1969, man, much of the stuff that we've already tackled in this book study, season one here, uh, is still very much relevant to what is taking place in Christendom in 2018. If this is your first time tuning in to The Page Turners, I am your host, Elgin Bailey, a.k.a. Big L, a.k.a. Mr. Catch-22, a.k.a. Bishop Heavyset Voice. Uh, (laughs) Somebody wrote in the other day, man, asking about uh, the Bishop Heavyset (laughs) name, and uh There's a story behind it that I I won't particularly get into it now. But shout out to the brothers, man, of uh, Real Talk Radio. Uh, (laughs) Not only brothers, man, but dear, dear friends of mine. Uh, A couple more shout outs, man. A little bit more house cleaning before we dig into uh, episode 14, uh, chapter 3. Before we even deal with that, I want to send a shout out to two brothers man who have been consistently doing their thing man standing in the gap. one of them man is my my or both of them are dear friends of mine, but my brother Andre Watson man who is putting it down with his brilliant brilliant videos. Conscious Christian. You can find him on YouTube, man. That's Conscious Christian. You're going to want to check him out and follow him and stay uh, stay connected to what he's doing. Then another brother, man, who literally has a heart for those who have been hurt uh, in Christendom, in the church. He is unapologetic in his unapologetic and unwavering in his commitment to hold the church and these pastors, bishops, apostles, whatever title that they're calling themselves today. And that would be the homie Leonard Robertson man, also known as the truth seeker man. This brother is dropping heat consistently uh, addressing the ills of churchianity. These two brothers, man, You want to find them, you want to subscribe, you want to follow them. That is The Conscious Christian and Leonard Robinson, man, also known as The Truth Seeker. Check these brothers out, man. Stay connected to these brothers. Uh, They are doing great, great work. Uh, All right, to the text, man. Again, this is episode 14. Shout out to all the listeners, man. Shout out to all the followers, Shout out to all the folks who have donated to what we are doing here at the Page Turners. This is episode three, chapter, I'm sorry, episode 14. We are still in chapter three, the white church and black power. And the text reads as follows. The church is not defined by those who faithfully attend and participate in 11 a.m. Sunday worship. As Harvey Cox says, the insistence by the reformers that the church was where the word is rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered was simply not due today. I'm going to read that one more time because that's important. That is crucial. Harvey Cox says the insistence by the reformers that the church was where the world is rightly preached and the sacraments rightly administered was simply not due today. Mm. It may have been fine for distinguishing orthodoxy from heresy, but it is a worthless It is worthless as a vehicle against modern racism. Man, I can spend nineteen thousand hours on that right there. And sometimes I I, I, I find myself reading. And rereading, when I'm reading the book by myself, man, sometimes I fly right through it and I'm able to, to grasp the information. But sometimes, man, it's I'm able to grasp it, but I still want to chew on it for a minute because it just says something so crucial. And not only says something crucial, for me, but you ever read something in a book that you've been feeling for a long time that you already felt and believed, but you just couldn't properly articulate it? Or that you you were like, man, I've always felt that way, and you don't feel alone any longer in <laughs> which you believe that the church is not defined by those who faithfully attend and participate in the 11 a.m. Sunday worship. It may have been fine for distinguishing orthodoxy from heresy, but it is a it is worthless. As a vehicle against modern racism. Now, man, some of my listeners, man, who follow me, you're gonna take that 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 quote from Harvey Cox, and you're gonna turn it into a a tweet. You're gonna turn it into a Facebook status. If you do, please shout out your boy, man. You ain't gotta shout my name out, man, but shout out the page turners, man. Shout out what, what we're doing over here. You know, just in your citation. <laughs> shout out! Shout out the page turners, man, because I love that. It may have been fine for distinguishing orthodoxy from heresy, but it is worthless as a vehicle against modern racism. We must therefore be reminded that Christ was not crucified on an altar between two candles, but on a cross between two thieves. He is not in our peaceful, quiet, comfortable suburban churches, but in the ghetto fighting the racism. Of churchy white people. Now, Doctor James Cone is preaching up in this joint, man. He is laying it down, man, because there's a lot of you folk out there, man. Because I got some listeners, man, who who are you know uh, not followers of Christ. They they don't believe and they don't follow or subscribe to Christianity. Uh, and I'm not here to convert them with this podcast. But it's a lot of y'all who constantly and consistently say that Christianity is not fighting against white supremacy or racism because it is a tool of racism and white supremacy. And let me say this. I agree that westernized European Christianity is a tool. And I'm going far further and say it is the chief tool of white supremacy. But what you can't say is there's no black Christians out there who are not trying and willing to consistently put a foot in the behind of white evangelical Christianity with truth. And as we see in Dr. James Cohn writing this book in 1969, he was doing just that. He was dropping that hammer. No wonder they wasn't trying to, <laughs> to fellowship with his brother. And the text reads, in the New Testament perspective, the church has essentially three functions, preaching, service, and fellowship. Preaching means proclaiming to the world what God has done for man in Jesus Christ. The church tells the world about Christ's victory over alien hostile forces. If we compare Christ's work on a cross with warfare as Oscar Coleman and others do, then it is the task of the church to tell the world that the decisive battle in the world has been fought and won by Christ. Freedom has come. The old tyrants have been displaced, and there is no need for anyone to obey evil powers. (laughs) The church, then, is men and women running through the streets announcing that freedom is a reality. This is easily translated into the context of modern racism. God in Christ has set men free from white power, and this means an end to ghettos and all they imply. The church tells black people to shape up and act like free men because old powers of white racism are arriving in final agony. The good news of freedom is proclaimed also to the oppressor. But since he mistakes his enslaving power for life and health, he does not easily recognize his own mortal illness or hearing the healing word. But the revolution is on and there is no turning back. Modern preaching has little to do with white ministers admonishing their people to be nice to Negroes or to obey the law of the land. Nor does it involve inviting good Negro preachers to preach about race relations. Preaching in its truest sense tells the world about Christ's victory and thus invites people to act as if God has won the battle over racism. To preach in America today is to shout, Black power, Black freedom. Now listen, man, I hope you caught that because I keep hearkening back to the fact that this book was written in 1969 and is now 2018, and we still see the very same things. Reading this book is as if Dr. James Cole just wrote this book and released it because the same type of things is still taking place right now. You have a number of white evangelical Christians who are preaching to their congregations that they need to be nice to black folks, to obey the law of the land and inviting the good Negro preacher to come and preach about race relations. We see it time and time again. That is so consistent. Man, listen, man. Every time I read this book, man, I get so freaking excited because Dr. Cone was killing it. All right, man. Let me, let me simmer down a little bit now. And the text reads, it is important to remember that the preaching of the word presents a crisis situation. The hearing of the news of freedom through the preaching of the word always invites the hearer to take one of two sides. He must either side with the old wars or the new one. He that is not for me is against me. There is no neutral position in a war. Even in silence, one is automatically identified as being on the side of the oppressor. (laughs) What? How many of your white Christian brethren, man, are silent? Are silent. How many? In their silence, man, guilt is found. What? Even in silence, one is automatically identified as being on the side of the oppressor. There is no place in this war of liberation for nice white people who want to avoid taking sides and remain friends with both the racist and the Negro. To hear the word is to the side. Are you with us or against us? There is no time for conferences or talk of any sort. If the hearing of the word and the encounter with the spirit do not convict you, then talk will be of little avail. The church not only preaches the word the word of liberation, it joins Christ in his work of liberation. This is service. Through the decisive battle has, though decisive battle has been fought and won over racism, the war is not over. There's still left what G.P. Lewis calls the mopping up operations. Just as the war in Europe continued for months after it was won at Stalingrad and El Alamein, so the war against principalities and powers continues after the decisive battle on the cross. We will have to fight racism. The evil forces have been defeated but refuse to admit it. Although defeated, writes William Harden, evil still has sufficient strength to fight a stubborn rear guard action. It is the task of the church to join Christ in this fight against evil. Thomas Weiser puts it this way. The way of the church is related to the fact that Koyas Lord himself is on his way in the world. And the church has no choice but to follow him who proceeds. Consequently, obedience and witness to Christ require the discernment of the opening which he provides and the willingness to step into the opening. Now I know a lot of my Christian brother man, uh always you know want want to point to the fact that racism is a spiritual since a sin. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual fight. We should be fighting it from a spiritual standpoint. The doctors just, Dr. Cohn addresses that. Yes, even though the battle is won with the, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's still the mopping up operations. Still the mopping up operations, family. <sighs> <sighs> he killing it. And the text reads, The opening has been made and the church must follow. To follow means that the church is more than a talking or resolution passing community. Its talk is backed up with relevant involvement in the world as a witness. through action that what it says is in fact true. Where is the opening that Christ provides? Where does he lead his people? Where indeed, if not in the ghetto, he meets blacks where they are and becomes one of them. We are him there in his black face and big black hands lounging on a street corner. Oh but surely Christ is above race. But, for so- but society is not racist any more than when God became a despised Jew. White liberal preference for a racist Christ serves only to make official and orthodox the centuries old portray- portrayal of Christ as white. The raceless American Christ has a light skin, wavy brown hair, and sometimes, wonder of wonders, blue eyes. For whites to find him with big lips and kinky hair is as offensive as it was for the Pharisees to find him parting with the tax collectors. But whether whites want to hear it or night, Christ is black, baby, with all the features which are so detestable to white society... <laughs> To suggest that Christ is taken on a black skin is not theological emotionalism. If the church is a continuation of the incarnation, and if the church of Christ are where the oppressed are, then Christ and his church must identify totally with the oppressed to the extent that they too suffer for the same reasons persons are enslaved in America, blacks are oppressed because of their blackness. It was seen then that emancipation can only be realized by Christ and his church becoming black. Thinking of Christ as non-black in the 20th century is as theologically impossible as thinking of him as a non-Jewish in the first century. God's word in Christ not only fulfills his purpose for man through his elected people, but also inaugurates a new age in which all oppressed people become his people. In America, that people is a black people. In order to remain faithful to his word in Christ, his present manifestation must be the very essence of blackness. It is a job of the church to become black with him and accept the shame which white society places on blacks. But the church knows that what is a shame to the world is holiness to God. Black is holy, that is, it is a symbol of God's presence in history on behalf of the oppressed man. Where there is black, there is oppression. But but blacks can be assured that where there is blackness, there is Christ, who has taken on blackness so that what is evil in men's eyes, might become good therefore christ is black because he is oppressed and oppressed because he is black and if their church is to join christ by following his opening it too must be must go where suffering is and become black also Mm, 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 mm. the text reads this is what the new testament means by the service of reconciliation It is not smoothing things over by ignoring the deep-seated racism in white society. It is freeing the races of racism by making him confront blacks as men. Reconciliation has nothing to do with the let's talk about it attitude or it takes time attitude. It merely says, look, man, the revolution is on. Whose side are you on? The church is also fellowship. This means the church must be in its own community, what it preaches and what it seeks to accomplish in the world. Through the preaching of the word, the church calls the world to be responsible to God's act in Christ and through its services, it seeks to bring it about. But the church's preaching and service are meaningful only insofar as the church itself is a manifestation of the preached word. As Harvey Cox puts it, Preaching is the as sorry, fellowship is the aspect of the church responsibility, which calls for a visible demonstration of what the church is saying in its preaching and pointing to its teaching. Thus, the church, by definition, contains no trace of racism. Christ has broken down the dividing walls of hostility, Ephesians 2.14. That is why call birth describes the church as God's subjective realization of the atonement. Mm, mm, mm. It is this need to be the sign of the kingdom in the world, which impels the church according to Acts. Who is the communi- Who in the community does not live according to the spirit of Christ? This is the kind of question which was so important to the 16th century Anabaptists, and it must be vital for the church of any age. Speaking to this question, Barth says, the church, which is not deeply disturbed by it, is not a Christian church. It cannot be Christ's existing as community or Christ's presence in the history, as Bonhoeffer would put it, without being seriously concerned about the holiness of his members. It is true that this concern may cause a community to ask one question. It may focus on irrelevancies smoking, dancing, drinking, etc., rather than on the essential racism. But it's only through the asking the question, what makes men Christians? That the true church is able to be Christ in the world. The true church of Christ must define clearly through its members the meaning of God's act in Christ so that all may know what the church is up to. There can be no doubt in the minds of his members regarding the nature of his community and its purpose in the world. It must be a community that has accepted Christ acceptance something of us, and in this sense it must be holy at all times and in all situations, holy members of the holy church, and therefore Christians, were and are the men assembled in it who are thereto elected by the Lord, called by his word, and continued by his spirit. Just so many, no more, no less, these men and no others." Mm -mm -mm. I'm going to take me a little sip of water on that because (laughs) that was fire. (sighs) Excuse me, family. Mm -mm -mm. Here we go. And the text reads, If the real church is the people of God, whose primary task is it that being Christ to the world by proclaiming the message of the gospel, by rendering services of liberation, and by being itself a manifestation of the nature of the new society, then the empirical institutionalized white church has failed on all accounts. It certainly has not rendered services of reconciliation to the poor. Rather, it illustrates the values of a sick society which oppresses the poor. Some present-day theologians, like Hamilton, Alcer, taking their cue from, from Nietzsche and the present irrelevancy of the church to modern men, have announced the death of God. It seems, however, that their chief mistake lies in their apparent identification of God's identity with the signed-up Christians. <laughs> if we were to identify the work of God with the white church, then like Alcer, we must wield the death of God with a passion of faith. Or as set would say, if God did not exist, <laughs> we should have to abolish him. The white church has not merely failed to render services to the poor, but has failed miserably in being a visible manifestation to the world of God's intention for humanity and in proclaiming the gospel to the world. It seems that the white church is not God's redemptive agent, but rather an agent of the old society. It fails to create an atmosphere of radical obedience to Christ. Most church fellowships are more concerned about drinking or new buildings or Sunday closing than what children who die of rat bites or men who are killed because they want to be treated like men. The society is falling apart from want of moral leadership. And moral example, but the white church passes. Excuse me, the white church passes resolution and waits to be congratulated. It is a sad fact that the white church's involvement in slavery and racism in America simply cannot be overstated. It not only failed to preach the gospel word, but (laughs) maliciously contributed to the doctrine of white supremacy. Even today. All of the church's institutions, including its colleges and universities, reveal its white racist character. Racism has been a part of the life of the church so long that it is virtually impossible for even the good members to recognize the bigotry perpetrated by the church. Its morals are so immoral that even as its most sensitive minds are unable to detect the inhumanity of the church on the black people of America. This is at least one of the suggestions by Kyle Heisenberg, who was in most cases a very perceptive white Southern churchman. He says, we must ask whether our morality is itself immoral, whether our codes of righteousness are, when applied to the Negro, a violation and the distortion of Christian ethics. Do we not judge what is right? What is wrong in racial relationships by a righteousness which is itself unrighteous? by codes and creeds, which in themselves are immoral? The question is asked, and the answer is obvious to the astute observer. Excuse me. The church has been guilty of the grave sin of all, the enshrining of that which is immoral as the highest morality. Jesus called this the sin against the Holy Spirit. It is unforgivable because it is never recognized. The question is asked and answered. The question is asked and the answer is obvious to the astute observer. The church has been guilty of the greatest sin of all, the enshrining of that which is immoral as the highest morality. Jesus called this the sin against the Holy Spirit. It is unforgivable because it is never recognized. I'm going to finish it up with one more quote from Pierre Burton. Gary Burton puts it mildly. In the racial struggle, there is revealed the same pattern of tardiness, apathy, non-commitment, and outright opposition by the church. Indeed, the history of the race struggle in the United States has been, to a considerable extent, the history of the Protestant Rappaport with the status quo. From the beginning, it was the church that put its blessing on slavery and sanctioned a caste system that continues today from the beginning. It was the church that put its blessing on slavery and sanctioned a caste system that still continues today. From the beginning, it was the church. From the beginning, family, and I want to be clear when, because by doing research, man, and reading further, I don't believe that Dr. James Cone is talking about the church here in America. It is documented in historical records the Catholic Church's approval of the transatlantic slave trade. Not only their approval, but their support. Not only their approval, but their support. From the beginning, the white church's hands have been bloody, filthy, and full of money that they have made off the backs of black slaves. And not much has changed, family. It's your boy, Elgin Bailey, with episode 14 of The Page-Turners, doing a walkthrough of the masterpiece, the great work of the great late Dr. James H. Cone, Black Theology and Black Power. I want to thank you guys, man, for continuing to tune in, to listen, to share. Man, if you have any comments, criticisms, concerns, want to discuss things further, you can find your boy on Twitter, at Elgin Bailey. That is at Elgin Bailey, at E-L-G-I-N-B-A-I-L-E-Y. You can find me, man. You can hit me up uh, and we can discuss this, man. But please, please, however you share information or in whatever way that you share podcasts, please share this with other people, man. Allow this information to permeate and create discussions, man. I thank you guys for tuning in to the page turners. We out.